0: Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. Good to see you again. My name is Kenny, uh, if we haven't met. Um, uh, please turn to uh, Jonah, if you got your Bibles there. Um, we'll kind of follow the text a bit closely, and I'll pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we can get together on this cold uh, morning. We pray that we might be able to uh, be encouraged by your word in Jonah uh, to go and seek the lost uh, and proclaim the goodness of your son. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I've got three points uh, today. Jonah repents, uh, Ninevite repents, and God repents. Okay? Uh, and uh, um, f- I'll spend most time on the first point aimed at believers, second one, and the third shorter point aimed at those still working out whether to trust in God. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Sliding Doors. Anyone seen Sliding Doors? It's like, like a Gwyneth Paltrow one, okay? Uh, basically, there's like it's a movie, and you've got, you've got Gwyneth Paltrow in two, two, two as a sort of a peril timeline. Um, and they lead different lives because based on one small decision uh, that she makes, she forgets a file or something. And then from that moment on, the life takes peril, uh, a different journey, okay? Um, life perhaps is, is fleeting. And uh, how easily uh, direction of your life changes according to whether you change your mind about something or not. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had the, uh, the lint uh, Cafe, The Siege. Um, and a lot of stories came out of that. And one story stands out for me. There's a, there was a, a guy called David Johnson, one of the uh, cafeteria uh, workers uh, who was an employee there. And he was rostered to work that Monday. Okay, of, of that faithful Monday. Um, but the thing is, he had done so much work, so much over time, over that weekend, uh, that, uh, that uh, he changed his mind about coming in to work on Monday. And so, so he didn't, and he escaped that crisis and potentially saved his life. Uh, he changed his mind. Um, today, we hear another story where changing of mind uh, can save our lives, too. We've been reading the last few weeks, uh, the book of Jonah, uh, and uh, Jonah is prophet of God, who has been told to preach to the people of Nineveh, uh, but he runs away from that task. Um, in the last chapter, we read that Jonah finally seemingly looks like he repented. Uh, he prays to God for mercy, and in verse 10, God answers, So um, uh, tr- uh, two verse 10. Um, and Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And then God repeats his command. Uh, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Uh, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a large large city. It took three days to go through it. Um, The word comes to Jonah. Proclaim the message, uh, literally the word, that God has given him. Uh, In verse 2, Jonah is told to arise and go. Uh, So he uh, uh, literally arose and went. Uh, There's no... um, obeyed there in the Hebrew, okay? He just rose and went. Um, he's told to go again to Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh is described as great. Um, it could mean perhaps uh, literally it's sort of great to God, okay? So it could mean it's, it's a great city to the gods, uh, lots of temples and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very fancy city, um, perhaps that. Or probably it's more great by, the, by um, just a stand, perhaps by the standards of the, the time. It was a really big city. Uh, Nineveh, by all accounts, was an impressive city. It was situated on a high mound uh, near a natural crossing on the Tigris River opposite the modern city of Mo- uh, Mosul, where ISIS is sort of uh, fighting there. Uh, and the scenes carved in the, in, the, in the walls there show Nineveh as a, a city surrounded by uh, turreted walls, fortress uh, topped with battlements. Uh, and upon entering the city, you would encounter wide streets, uh, stone paving, gardens, parks, uh, canals, palaces, temples, houses. This is, uh, must be quite a breathtaking experience, okay? Uh, and, and the combination of all that just made it one of the wonders of the ancient world. And it's probably for this reason that the NIV sort of says, it takes three days to go through it. Surely it must be so big, that uh, so great. You know, just to see the sights takes so much time. Um, but three days' journey would, uh, would, would um, be quite a big, it's 100 miles, 100 kilometers, sorry, 100 kilometers. So even by ancient standards, uh, Nineveh, Nineveh wasn't, was big, but, but it wasn't never 100 kilometers a bit. No, no ancient city was that big. Um, so it probably doesn't mean size. It probably just means it takes three days to perhaps do the work uh, in, in Nineveh, three days to, uh, to see it, to, to find the right people to talk to, three days to do this work of evangelism. So uh, it's like three days to visit Sydney, right? Uh, if you've got a relative or a friend that's come to Sydney, what would you do with them? Three days? Well, you know, one day in the city, one day in the beaches, and um, do you take them to the Blue Mountains? Is that what you do? Okay, you can take the Blue Mountains. Okay, yeah, that's another day. Okay, that's three days of that. Uh, some people think that the work of diplomacy to meet the king might take three days. There are, there are introductions that need to be had. You could buy the gifts and all that sort of stuff. And then here's the message that he's, he's to give them. Verse four, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Uh, and overthrown is um, uh, the, the word that, words that God used for Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis 19. Um, same thing, city will be overthrown. And God promises to overthrow cities in the future too. So Matthew 10 talks about whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person, stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, leave your, uh, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that town. Shake the dust off the feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll jump to two Peter two verse six. If he condemns the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes, and made them example of what's going to. Ha- uh, I'm sorry, he co- uh, condemned the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them down to ashes, and made them example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. This is the fate of cities. Uh, We love cities. They're places to work and in nice restaurants there and theater and shopping and culture. But God says if they are ungodly, even mighty cities with military strength or financial prowess or architectural marvels, cosmopolitan population uh, will be destroyed, whether it's Nineveh or Babylon, New York or London, uh, Kuala Lumpur or Sydney. I mean, even in our city, we can't even protect ourselves from gunmen. Uh, We can't protect ourselves from disease or that great uh, storm that came the other day or today's cold, okay? Uh, We're definitely vulnerable to God's judgment. But as we look to the message of verse 4 again, there appears to be some problems. Firstly, the message is actually, it's, it's, it's not a lot of message there. Um, there's, there's a bit here in the NIV, but in, in um, uh, uh, but in uh, in the Hebrew, it's literally just five words: repent or be destroyed. That's it. Okay. There is no uh, also. There's no hope. There is no mention of God. There is no introduction like you know. Thus says the Lord. Um, it is very minimalistic. So how how are the Ninevites supposed to uh, repent from this? Uh, secondly, forty days is a uh, 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 40 days seems to be a bit out of place as well. In the Bible, 40 days is a long, long time. It takes 40 days to flood the land, 40 days of fasting. Um, so if you've got this urgent message but sort of have lots of time, that sort of doesn't quite fit as well. Something is wrong here. Now, we've already been skeptical about Jonah. Uh, the first time he speaks in 1 verse 9, he evades the sailors, a very direct question. Uh, he fails to pray for them. Uh, we hear that uh, he he um, uh, even even when he starts to pray in the in the belly of the fish, he doesn't really say sorry. There doesn't seem to be that repenting aspect of it. Um, and thirdly, we're told that uh, preaching is a three-day work, right? Um, you know, it takes three days to go through the city, uh, but he stopped on the first day. Uh, in a book filled with the number three, uh, in fact. Uh, uh, I suspect what's happening is they actually had three days to repent. And in the uh, LXX, the uh, Greek version of the Old Testament, um, they actually changed that 40 days to three days. Okay? So I think it, only, it, it, it had three days, and Jonah sort of procrastinating, going 40 days, uh, and he wasn't urgent about it, and he stopped working on the first day. Okay? Um, Jonah has not repented. He's procrastinating. He's dragging his feet all the way. He's a reluctant prophet. And so now we have to go back and read that chapter again. So perhaps the, uh, uh, where the, his, the command, arise, go, and, and call to the Ninevites. Um, uh, uh, perhaps that's uh, a, a instruction again because he, he doesn't want to go, right? Because all the way in the prayer, he's been sort of talking about praying to Jerusalem. And what, what you do after you have prayed to Jerusalem and God's answer to your prayer is that you go to Jerusalem, you bring your sacrifice there, and you, and you, and you go to the temple. So I suspect he was heading back to the temple. He wanted to go back to Jerusalem uh, once he was in dry land. And then God's saying, no, no, no. Here's the command again. Go to Nineveh. And he's giving himself time. this 40 days uh, when the Ninevites probably do not have that time. He's procrastinating. Uh, you know how it is, you know, when you younger guys here and you study and you sort of go uh, five more minutes of the computer. Just five more minutes. I, I'm getting there. And then you walk past the fridge and then you start to eat uh, because you want to use your time wisely you eat in front of the tv so that you can parallel process things then you sharpen your pencils and then mom says anyone want to come to the shops with me and you jump up and say yes i want to help you and anything as long as you do not have to study 40 more days please uh, or house chores you know over uh, you know you're supposed to fix that leaky roof or clean that garage and he's like, no yeah next month 40 days okay Uh, just like Jonah, we can also procrastinate in telling people about Jesus. We drag our feet as though it's the worst thing to do. Uh, It might be because of fear, fear of rejection, fear of what other people might do. Uh, But remember from chapter 1, our God, Yahweh, is the God of land, sea, and heavens. There is nothing that is out of His control that He does uh, does not see. Fear God, there is no one else to fear. Or perhaps it is just procrastination, just laziness. Uh, 40, we want to wait 40 more days. I'll do it when, when, when the time is right. Uh, we do want to do it in our hearts, but not yet. Um, perhaps you thought of friends that you would really like to invite to church or to the next uh, function that you really pre- pre- like to have a conversation with, but not yet. I'm waiting for the right time. But friends, when is that time going to come? Okay. Uh, judgment Day is anytime soon. Um, and, uh, and it's time that uh, perhaps we don't, we don't have. Because even if you can get your act together, it still takes t- a little bit of time. There's three days' work involved um, to tell people about Jesus. We have to put in the uh, metaphorical three days of work. Um, let us not give up when we've only done one. It takes time to cultivate relationships. It takes time to build genuine trust. It takes time to invite them to friends and you know, you've got to give them notice, you know, they have to prepare themselves and organize their schedule. Um, you know, we find it hard to prioritize church. Imagine how they would feel about that. And so they're not going to just act just based on one invite. We have to keep inviting them over and over and over again, right? It takes time um, to do that. Uh, and if, if you are new here today, well, um, thank you for making your time out of your business to visit church. Um, It takes time to uh, participate in in our society uh, so that the gospel proclamation can keep going on. It's wonderful to live in a Christian country where we celebrate things like Christmas. And it's amazing that at Christmas, you know, we celebrate this thing that has Christ in it, where even the most secular places, like uh, carols in a domain, led by unbelievers, uh, there is that token song about Jesus in there. Uh, all of Sydney is singing about Jesus. Uh, nearly every shopping centre will have a nativity scene. Um, this whole country and the whole culture is going to help us to proclaim the gospel. That's a good thing. But of course, there's a lot of challenges there. These, these, that space is sort of moving, you know, moving away. Um, but that's where this election, the vote is very important. To try and keep this country as Christian as we can. Now, that's not imposing upon it, some our own prejudices, our own values, our own biases, no. Everyone's talking, you know. Christians as Australians just have the right, as everyone else, to put their ideas as well. All the more so, because this country was founded upon Christian laws and Christian ideals, even if we, d- we didn't put the term Christian in front of it, okay? So it's good to live in that society, and it's brought our civil, you know, this made, made this city and made it as good as what it is. Um. So we should protect that, make sure the laws still reflect that, make sure the definition of marriage still reflect uh, biblical values. It is good. And, and all that takes time. It takes time to go and vote intelligently. It takes time to help political parties, Christian political parties. It takes, time to, it takes money to, to donate to them so that they can be active. It takes time to engage in this process. But it's worth it. Or do we say, 40 days later, I'll do it. Well, it's next week. It's here. The fate of the city hangs in the balance. Will you procrastinate or do the work of an evangelist? Um, But fortunately for the Ninevites, it's my second point, the Ninevites repented. Despite Jonah's uh, procrastination, and we shouldn't emulate Jonah here, I think he didn't repent, God still uses what little Jonah does to bring about his will. The people of Nineveh repent. So verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. Notice that they trusted in, in God, not in Jonah. Uh, they repented. They changed their mind. Instead of going down one direction, they decided to turn around, and they went down the other direction. Uh, from not believing, they believed. From not trusting, they trusted. And so a fast was proclaimed, all of them, from the greatest to the least, and they put on sackcloth. Uh, the greatest to the least, the greatest. Verse 6, uh, Jonah's, uh, warning, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Uh, the great king of this great city rose from his throne, this place of power and greatness, and recognizes that God uh, should be sitting on that throne. Is the king. He takes off his royal robes, uh, and, then, and then he uh, covers himself with sackcloth. He swapped it. It's, it's from, from the finest to the worst. It's like from silk to wearing, I don't know, what's back Calico or something, okay? And then he sat down in the dust. Uh, And the lowest did so too. Verse 7, he said, By the decree of the king, do not let people or animals, herd or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up, uh, literally turn, uh, from their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and, and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So from the king to even the lowest, even the animals, Uh, They are covered with sackcloth. All of them call on God and give up from the evil ways. Uh, And in ancient times, putting on sackcloths, uh, putting on dust is a a sign of repentance. From Nehemiah 1 verse 1 or Job 2 verse 2, uh, where they would cry out and then they would uh, put dust on them. The Ninevites were sincerely uh, sorry. They repented. And so therefore they they showed it in how they dressed and what they did. Um, nowadays, our our stories are a little bit. Uh, are merely words, isn't it? That doesn't come with that action that, that should proceed uh, proceed, it, uh, proceed from it. Um, you might heard something called uh, slacktivism, or hashtag activism. Uh, we want to do something, but we want to do it with a minimal amount of effort. We just put a hashtag, put it in there, and then that's done, done right? Uh, activism that amounts to basically kicking a button, or doing a stunt. But real repentance is not like that. It's not done in a couple of seconds. Real repentance, it takes years and years of of turning around and then walking down a very difficult road. True solutions take time and consistency. The steady hand in the ridding of sin, not the emotional roller coaster. Uh, And over many, over years, we have seen people change, haven't we? In fact, we've seen whole cities change. Uh, it has happened before, whether it was Nineveh, a dreadful city, and, uh, and, and, and later on in, um, in, in Israel's history, uh, destroys Israel, not the northern kingdom. But Nineveh, before ISIS took it over and expelled all the Christians, it, Nineveh became a Christian city. It had one of the highest concentrations of Christians in Syria. Right? Changes, God changes city over a long, long period of time, thousands of years. Or whether it's Rome, uh, whether it's London, whether it's uh, New England in in America, or cities in Africa, because someone has told the gospel to them, over time, they change, right? Kings change, and cities move from uh, child sacrifice or debauchery and pagan worship, and then to follow the true and living God. Uh, It happened with, with England turned it from a nation of barbarians into a, one of the most civilized cities, one of the, you know, until recently perhaps, one of the most uh, godliest cities in the world, okay, where Christian civilization existed, where missionaries were sent all around the world. And perhaps God can do that again once more with His cities. Perhaps He can do that with Sydney as well. And isn't it amazing that an entire city repentant? But that's not the biggest miracle here. The biggest miracle is the third point. Uh, that is not, uh, not that uh, the Ninevites repented, but it's that God repented. Look at verse 10. Uh, when God saw what they did and how they turned from the evil ways, He relented, and He did not bring on them the destruction He had threatened. That term here, relented, is literally repented. Okay? Same term as uh, how Nineveh repents. It means to turn from one action to another. God repents. Now, he doesn't have to do that. Uh, when a king meets a, a peasant on the road, does he change direction and go off another way? No, the peasant turns, right? He, but yet here, God gives way. Now, while God is a sovereign God, I know, and, and, and He doesn't change His mind, He predestines, but from the human point of view, just from our limited vision, um, it, it, God changes His mind. Um, This is his promise. Uh, For example, Jeremiah 18, he would say, if uh, if at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, or destroyed, and if that nation, I I warn, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster that I had planned. Uh, God says he will forgive. He will change his mind about us. He will show compassion. Now, maybe... uh, We've done something bad. Maybe you've done something bad, really bad. And, and based on what you did, uh, you don't think anyone can forgive you. None of those friends who could forgive you. And based on what you did, perhaps you can't even forgive you. And in fact, no God can forgive you. It is that terrible. But God here promises grace. He promises to forgive you. He forgives, promises to change His mind if you would but also change your mind. And he's able to do this not because he's fickle, but because his son, his one and only son, his son that came into the world 2,000 years ago, uh, his son died for your sins. And so he can say that unforgivable sin that you did, I have paid for it, and you can now go free. So friends, repent and turn from your evil ways. And who knows? Uh, and, and it's not like uh, the Ninevites only knew partially, who says, who knows? God may yet relent, you know, may yet re- re- repent. But we know in this, light of the cro- in this side of the cross, God will repent and with compassion turn from His fierce anger so that we will not perish. Uh, all Christians have this assurance of salvation, assurance of forgiveness. Uh, Jesus has ensured that that will happen. And so with Romans 10 verse 9, we can all declare. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Uh, I thought one of the smartest things that the hostages did uh, was to, uh, in the back in the Lynn Cafe siege, uh, was to take up the opportunities to escape the cafe. Uh, the, one of the first people to escape was a, a couple Uh, Of people who were walking to the toilets. Um, And uh, and, and I don't know how they did it, but because he had to, I guess because he had to look after the main group, the the terrorists, uh, he let them go off by themselves to the toilet, thinking the doors were secure. But they walked on the way back from the toilets and they noticed there was a green button. You know those green buttons, Uh, those after hours buttons that you press? Well, they saw that emergency after hour button, and on one of those unsupervised walks to the toilets, they pressed it. And behold, the sliding door, <laughs> there was a sliding door, and opened. And they ran for their lives. In their minds, they knew they would be dead if they stayed. The gunman had threatened something, he threatened that he had a bomb, who knows what was going on, and so they took the opportunity, saw that green, green button, and they pressed it and ran for their lives. They turned. To God. Uh, they turned, and so were saved. Uh, it was a sliding doors moment, right? Friends, we all have walked far away from God and have gotten ourselves into a mess, but we can change our minds and return to God. Uh, and He promises to change His mind. And so if you haven't returned to God, perhaps today is a good time to do so. Life is fleeting. Make peace with your Maker before it's too late. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for that promise to us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Father, we thank you for the assurance of salvation. We pray that, uh, that all of us will continue to believe that um, and that we can share this message uh, to the world. Uh, all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.